school, 43 minutes and 15 seconds. We are so glad to have those of you here who are here in person and those listening virtually in the United States and from, from some of the call-ins from around the world on this very special day where we stop to celebrate the mothers among us. And so if you are present here, uh, give yourselves a hand. And if you're not present, give yourself a hand wherever you are. Uh, uh, Shirley Caesar, Caesar sang a song many, many years ago that said, those of you that have a mother, you have something to thank your Jesus for. Because whenever you get in trouble, just get a message to your mother and she'll come running over hills and mountains. She'll be looking for her child. I remember that song growing up, and, and, and thank God for my mother, and who's now with the Lord, uh, and for each and every one of you. Uh, by the way, if you are here with us today, <clears throat> excuse me, if you will stop by the table on your way out, um, we have, Sister Ware and I have a gift for you. Uh, if you are a mom, please stop by and get your gift. We just want to bless you a little bit and let you know we love you and we're thinking about you. Amen. Today's lesson is, a, is part two of uh, a study we're doing, or a study we have in the book of, written by Peter, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. In 1 Peter, you may remember, uh, Peter was really trying to <clears throat> deal with some external issues that affected these uh, Christians. And today, he deals with some internal issues. Uh, before we get to there, I want to give you a, a brief background, uh, sort of as an appendage to last week, but I think it'll, it'll help you <clears throat> understand why Peter is uniquely qualified to give these how to live a Christian life uh, instructions and how to be equipped with hope, how to be equipped with hope. Second Peter chapter one, your printed text is verses four through 14, but for context, we're going to back up a little bit to verses one through three, and then we'll pick up to, at the printed text just so we can have some context as we go forward. So grab, grab your Bibles, Second Peter, chapter number one. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for your grace, your mercy, and your peace. We thank you because there is no other God like you because you're the only God. Amen. There's nobody to compare you to because you're incomparable. There's nobody to have any basis to even think about being like you because you are more than enough. Yes. Not only are you El Shaddai, you're Elohim, you're El Tiskanu, you're God in every aspect that we need in our lives. Yes. Now, God, we know there's a lot going on in our world and in our lives and our ship is, is tossed and turned, but we pray right now, God, for a peace that passes all understanding. Yes. God, we pray right now that you would wrap your big arms around those who are in grief in our church this morning and those not just here but everywhere, Lord, yes. who are going through a loss, especially, God, on a day like today when those who lost their mothers, Lord, will have some feelings of melancholy and it's appropriate because we love them, God. So give them comfort and peace. Hug them, God, and let them know that you are still there, that you are a mother to the motherless. Yes. Thank you so much, Father God. Father God, we thank you just for life being as well with us as it is. We thank you that we're not sleeping under a bridge today. We thank you that we have a place to lay our, lay our heads. We thank you, God, that we have food to eat, 
We thank you, God, that we have a fair portion of our mind. Oh, God, we thank you that we can say hallelujah to you with our own mouth. We thank you, God, that we can clap our own hands. We thank you, God, that we can bless your name because you are worthy of all blessings and praise. Oh, we don't give you enough blessing. We don't give you enough praise. But we thank you because you are worthy to be praised. You are an awesome God. You've been better to us than we've been to ourselves. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, now we pray that you are blessed. This little hamlet called Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church. Bless our pastor, Bishop Shields, God. He stands to minister your word after another long week for him. We pray, God, that you build him up in your most holy faith. God, let lower him down in the treasures of your will and let him speak the oracles of God. Somebody, some woman, some man, some boy, some girl might give their lives to Christ. It is the only way to make it in this world. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. Bless us now as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let me give you just a little bit, uh, a sort of prelim, uh, and then see if we can get some of the coffee that spilled over into the salsa. If y'all are old enough, might remember oh, yeah. that. Um, interesting thing, uh, Pastor Love, about the Apostle Peter. We talked a little bit about this last week. If you remember, and this, is, this will be important, when we get into the meat of the lesson, the heart of the lesson. If you remember in your Bible study time that Peter was called to the service of Jesus Christ, not because Jesus picked him, but Jesus picked his brother. Jesus saw Andrew, and Andrew and Peter were in the same business. They were both fishermen. Jesus calls Andrew, and immediately Andrew says, he's the Messiah. Andrew goes home, because he and Peter live together, and says to Peter, come see a man who is the Messiah. Peter then is not so arrogant like some of us that he can't take advice from his sibling. And Peter is humble enough to say, I know my brother might talk a lot of stuff I don't want to hear about, but if he's talking about the Lord, I might want to walk with him this time. The principle I want you to, to, to gain from that is that <clears throat> don't ever give up on your ability to draw your family members. Amen. Don't, 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 don't diminish the impact you have on immediate family yes, yes. in bringing them what? To Jesus. Amen. Now watch this because this gets interesting and, and, and it dovetails very nice into our lesson. When Peter meets Jesus, Jesus does something very peculiar. Andrew introduces them. Peter by now, remember, Peter's married. We know that because Jesus goes to his mother, to his house, and heals his mother-in-law of a fever. Which, by the way, the woman wasn't dying. She just had a fever. But it just shows you Jesus loves us so much that even what we consider a small thing, he, he'll take care of what, you know, just a little, a fever. She could, I'm about to say she could take some aspirin. They didn't have aspirin, did they, Robert, back then? Okay. Pastor Johnson, he's a teacher. He said they didn't have aspirin back then. Jesus and Peter meet, and Jesus says, Simon Peter, thy son of 
Jonah, I'm going to call you Cephas. Jesus spoke Aramaic, and in Aramaic, Cephas means rock. So immediately, on first meeting him, Jesus sees, knows his name, but more importantly, he knows his character. See, let me tell you something. You can very easily fool me. I've been fooled a bunch of times. You can't fool him. He knows your what? Character. He knows what you are when nobody's looking. And he knew that Peter was a hard man, that he was a fisherman, that he was somebody who he was going to have to challenge, but he wanted people like that. And I want you to know that God is not out looking for perfect people. He's in pursuit of imperfect people. And you might not remember this, but before you got saved, you weren't perfect. And may I, may I give you a footnote and say, after you got saved. Okay, y'all not going to go with that. Peter was impetuous, but he was inquisitive. Nobody is mentioned in the New Testament Gospels more than Peter except Jesus. Nobody is mentioned more in the New Testament Gospels than Jesus except Peter. It gives you an idea of sort of where and the prominent place he had in the hierarchy of the disciples, but he was an imperfect man. Had a regular job, doing regular stuff uh, every day. Ended up in Jesus' inner circle. Now, because he was what he was, he was uneducated. Uh, he, he, Peter, Peter did not have any kind of degree. Probably didn't go to school at all. Probably started working as soon as he was big enough to pull a net. <clears throat> but Jesus always meets us where we are. You, 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 the old folks used to say, I came to Jesus as I was. Weary, wounded, and sad. I found in him <clears throat> a resting place, and he has made me glad. Uh, People come to the Lord, and the Lord does the work. Don't you try to do the work on them. You just get them to Jesus. I'm sure Andrew said in his mind, this boy going to get us hurt. Because, you know, Peter carried a knife. Uh, he cut off Malchus' servant's ear. And so Andrew took him to the one place that might come him down. Come him down, took him to the Lord. Now, Peter had a house. We know that because Jesus went to his house. If he had a mother-in-law, he must have had a what? Why? Here's what's interesting about that. Some people consider Peter the first pope. I'm going to give you a little bit of how people can get twisted stuff up. If Peter's the first pope and he was married, why are you all saying that the Lord doesn't want you to be married? You just kind of made that up. Peter was outspoken, and because of that, he got the keys to the kingdom. Peter also was from the same hometown as Philip, both from Bethsaida. And Peter had a piece of house over in Capernaum, and Jesus spent a lot of time in Capernaum. They're both from the same place, and it's interesting, that sort of small community produces Philip and Peter and Andrew, and it is Philip that says to Jesus, Show us the Father, and it suffices us. 
And it was Peter who said after Jesus said, have I been so long with you? And you don't know me, Philip? And then was Jesus said, thou art, who do y'all say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, Jesus prophesied the end of Peter's life and told him he would die as a martyr. And as you know from, from your historical reading, Peter gets killed by, by Nero in Rome and he's crucified upside down. The point of this is Peter enters into the ministry of Jesus Christ knowing his end. He didn't go into it thinking, oh, at the end of my life, they're going to have a big party for me and everybody's going to come and everybody's going to bring me gifts and money and, and people are going to talk about me and regale my name and what a great preacher I am. 3,000 got saved. First time I ever preached a great sermon and all of that. Peter knew his life was going to end in martyrdom, but he followed the Lord anyway. When you serve the Lord just because you want to serve him, it takes away any expectation of you that they're going to call your name or put you up on the video screen. If that's what you're doing it for, you're going to always be disappointed. Peter lived a life of sacrifice knowing that his life was going to end ignomatically. He didn't, he didn't care or ignobly because he wanted to please the Lord. I'm saying all that because in our teaching today, you'll find out if anybody's qualified to talk to you about how to live a life pleasing to Christ, it would be Peter. That life includes very, very high moments. Peter, James, and John went up to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. And Peter, although he was in the presence of Jesus, got confused. He's up there on a very high mountain, and, 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 and it was fantastic, and they'd had this great time, and Peter said, we ought to build three tabernacles. Peter's like a lot of us. We want to do instead of be. Sometimes when you're in the Lord's presence, you don't want you to do anything. Just enjoy being there. One more thing about Peter, and then I'll let you go. We'll, we'll, we'll jump into, dive into this, this lesson. You, you, you will remember two things about, or two episodes about Peter. The one is when he denied Jesus three times. But you'll also remember that Peter walked on the water. Now watch this. Because what you sometimes forget about in that episode is that Peter actually <clears throat> walked on the water twice. Peter's in the boat. It's storming. It's the middle of the night. Jesus comes walking on the water. Everybody's afraid, but they're also afraid they might drown because it's a terrible storm. Peter, out of all the other ones, says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come to you on the water. Jesus says, come on. Yeah. Peter, without asking anybody's permission, when I said, Andrew, hey man, if I don't make it back, tell my wife, <laughs> you know, it's your sister, so tell her I'm with. Peter gets out of the boat to walk to Jesus. He actually takes some steps. And then he does what we do. He got distracted. Watch this, because this will bless you. Some, sometime this week on 285. He gets distracted Although he's close to Jesus. Okay, let me say that again. He is close to the Lord, but he still gets distracted. Jesus doesn't penalize him for being distracted. He then is following what Jesus said. 
doing what Jesus told him to do, and he still gets in trouble. Let me say that one more time. He's doing what the Lord called him to do, right? He's going toward the Lord, still gets in trouble. And what does Jesus do? Scold him? No. Rebuke him? No. Jesus reaches down in his trouble and saves him. Just like he does us. And then the pace de resistance, they go walking together. Back to the boat. Twice. You can start with the right attitude, with the right hope, and fail. And the Lord still will rescue you if you cry out to him. Stop letting people drown who mess up on the way to the Lord. You got to be there as, your, as the lifeboat. Bring them in. Last thing, he, he denied Jesus three times, but at the end of the, at the, end of the, end of the after Jesus is resurrected, he sees Peter, and the first thing he does is he tells the women who come to the tomb, he says, go tell my disciples, comma, and Peter to meet me in Galilee. You see what he just did? He restored him. He just, the last time we heard him, he denied him. He restores Peter without ever seeing Peter. And without Peter ever seeing him. Go tell my disciples and Peter. He's welcome back. He messed up. But he's my boy. I got him. Then he, lets, then he says to Peter, Peter, you love me more than these? He says, you know I do, Lord. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said to him again, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He says, Lord, you know I do. Quit asking me. He said, feed my sheep. Then he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter got, he was exasperated. He said, okay. I don't know what else I do. He said, I, what I'm trying to get you to do, Peter, is stop saying it and start doing it. Because it's easy to talk a good game. You can make your mouth say anything. He denied him three times, but he was restored. And I want to say to you, if you're here this morning present, or if you're under the sound of my voice, and you messed up, you've fallen away from the Lord, if you just cry out, he restores. He's in the restoration business. Now, now we can get to the lesson, and you'll see why, if anybody's uniquely qualified to teach us about living a life pleasing to the Lord, it would be Simon Peter. The reason I didn't want to skip the first three verses in our lesson is because of verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you notice something that's real subtle? Peter never forgets. I used to be Simon. He doesn't introduce himself as Apostle Peter. The right Reverend Peter here. No, no. Peter says, I know who I am. I'm Simon. It's still some Simon in me. Because he gets into an argument with Paul and he doesn't like Gentiles. God has to come down personally to change his prejudiced mind. Right? Had to make him eat chitlins because he said, you're not going to call anything I made unclean is clean. Right? Miss what happened. Simon Peter 
I want y'all to understand I know what God saved me from. Who I could have been if I kept on the path I was going on. That's who's talking to you. That's who's writing this letter. And I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to be on any sort of high uh, pedestal. I know who I am. I know what I used to be. He saved me from that. That's why he said that. Because he had, people didn't quit calling him Simon. Because Jesus would call him Cephas. But he said, I'm Simon. I'm still Simon Peter. He said, I'm writing this letter to those who've obtained this like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I like that word precious. He said, this is, this is precious. I, th- see, some people just look at this as church. But Peter said, no, we have something that's precious. Uh, when you talk about a precious metal, gold, silver, not everybody has it in its purest form. Peter said, we have something that's precious that people would love to have. People would love to be able to acquire. He said, and you got it for free. And it's precious. Never forget how precious it is just because it's become normal to you. Just because you get up and you know the Lord, it's still precious. He said, and we obtained this not by, and notice how we got it. Not through anything you did. How did you get it? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. It is Jesus that makes you right with God, not you make you right with God. The righteousness of Christ is what all of us hangs on. The linchpin between us and God is the righteousness of Christ who came and lived and died and got up again. Verse 2. He says, because of that, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, you need to spend some time getting to know the Lord. Now, I'll tell you something. It's a fantastic thing. It's an awesome thing to know the Bible. It's a better thing to know the Lord. Because there are a lot of people who can quote the Bible. The Bible even says there are some people who know Jesus, but they're not really in this thing because the Bible says demons tremble at the name of Jesus, but they're not serving him. Having head knowledge doesn't mean anything. You can be a smart sinner on your way to hell. That knowledge, Peter says, you, you, you want to acquire this love of God. Through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let that be your knowledge. Not the fact that you can quote everything from, from Genesis to Revelation backwards and forward. And you know every verse and every Bible. Verse. That's fantastic. That's hallelujah. Praise the Lord for you. But do you know him? The knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the knowledge of God. Verse 3. Peter says. According to his divine power. Peter said this, this, this is not normal. What Jesus has is not human. It's not a human origin. You can't duplicate this. You can't replicate this. He's got what? Divine power. It's power that emanates only from God. And you can't match it. And so pastor, so uh, apostle, uh, so prophet around the world now, quit acting like you're God. You don't have any divine power. You're fantastic. You're wonderful. Sir, ma'am, but remember, there's only one God. And beside him there is what? No other. He says, uh, he's given us all things. And what, what are the things, Peter? He gives everything that pertains unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Peter says, he gave unto us this stuff because I'm telling you what I know. I used to be a rascal. Yeah. 
and he changed me. Right? The last act I did in, in Jesus' presence was I cut somebody, I cussed, and I lied. But Peter said, he changed me. He changed me. He changed me just that quick. Verse 4. Uh, and by the way, uh, when Peter used that word servant uh, up there, that's bond servant. He's, he's talking about being a slave. I have no authority of my own. Everything I do is with and through Jesus the Christ. Let's go a little deeper. Whereby, this verse 4, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now you see that word precious again, just like you saw it in verse uh, 1. It's, it's something that's unique and precious and, and, and worth a lot. He says, he gives unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through love. Now, Peter just does something here that's, that's, that's highly um, unusual uh, for somebody who is not um, critically, theologically trained, right? Paul, if you remember, spends about three years studying. Peter gets, has to go, to go to work right away. Got 50 days from the resurrection to Pentecost, then Peter's at work. Paul spends all this time just in study. But Peter is getting this revelation, I'm telling you, because he's getting it from God. Watch what he says here. He says, we are partakers of his divine nature. This is remarkable that God would share his nature with us. That part of the nature God shares with us is that ability to create. All right? So you can, outside of yourself, create something. That doesn't look like you. Science, biology, technology. God allows you to create. You can make something out of nothing. You, you, can, you can start off with just a thought that there ought to be a way for everybody around the world to connect with each other uh, by a machine. That becomes the internet. You can do that because God shares a little bit of his divine nature with you. That divine nature starts off in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God said Peter says, he shared that with us. It's wonderful that you go from walking to riding a car. Man, invents these things because God what, shares part of his divine nature. You can't fly, right, naturally, but you can invent an airplane and you can fly in it if you're not scared to fly. Right? So I know some people not going to fly, period, because grandmama said, I'm not getting up in the sky because God said, lo, I will be with you. I'm not going up there. He said, we've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And don't get stuck on, on, on the word lust and think that's all about sexual desire. He's talking about the, the lust is this desire for self, to be self-gratified, self-satisfied. He said, we escaped that because you live a life like that where all it is is about you, always you, always about you, never about anybody else, never about the Lord. If you live like that, Peter says, there is, you're, you're, you're never going to really experience God in, in the fullness of being, being God's friend and God's child. All right? Let's, let's move on to verse 5. Verse 5 says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Peter says, if you're going to say you're saved, you ought to act like it. 
Add to your faith virtue, right living. Don't just have a said faith, but have a do faith. There ought to be something different about you around the water cooler. They still got water coolers at work? Okay, not probably after post-COVID. But people in the office ought to see something different about your character. Your character can't be like everybody else's. Not when you're saved. That does not mean that you never smile and that you always walk around and as soon as somebody speaks to you, you go forth in tongues. No, please stop doing that. <laughs> you can be a normal human being. People can tell by your character. The old folks used to sing a song that we will know they are Christians by our love, by our love. And they will know we are Christians by our love. Part of the love is forgiving those who've wronged you, right? Forgiving those who've wronged you even at work, where you know they have the job you trained them for. They're your supervisor and you train them. And you spin around, ooh, I'm going to get, ooh, if I take the last thing I do, no. Let God, let God handle it. Because uh, if you like me, before I got fully saved, I want, I want to have, I want to get back at you. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, I'm going to hurt you worse. Virtue, right acting, and then Peter says something else. He says, and beside this, give it all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance. Quit going to 10 so fast. Y'all know what 10, going to 10. Have some temperance. Woo, Jesus. Have some patience. He said, and then to your patience, add some godliness. So don't let your patience be, I'm patiently waiting to get you. <laughs> I'm going to cut you sooner or later. Peter says, uh, godliness. Now, nobody's inviting you to let somebody walk up your front and down your back. That's not what, that's not what anybody's doing because uh, Jesus went through the temple with a whip and got the folk out of that. So, but what he's saying is your mindset ought not be, I'm going to get even. And if I get, I'm going to get you worse than you got me. And you ought not be happy. It's hard to do. You shouldn't be happy when your enemy suffers. That's hard to do for me. Because there's some folk I don't like. I'm talking about like it at all. Period. Right? I don't have to really pray when stuff happens to them that God will deliver me. That I don't get giddy because you got found um, liable for Something in court. But um, <laughs> I'm working on that. But Peter says, try to do that as best you can. He ought to know, right? Who are you? Because Peter, you know, where's that knife, Peter? Right? But Peter says, we got to work on that because he says, it's, it's, it's because we have the character of God that's supposed to be reflected in us. And to good godliness, brotherly kindness. Ooh, Jesus. And the brotherly kindness, charity. Can we get to a point where it's not all about us all the time? You didn't call me. You didn't text me. You, you don't know sorts what's going on with me. I've been over here sick. You, I ain't heard from you. Oh, my God, lady, please. Right? And send somebody a five-panel, a six-panel, an eight-panel text. I can't help you. You got too much stuff going on. 
Okay, Peter says, hey, try to be kind. If you can't help folk, be kind. Don't tell them what I don't care. That's your problem. Find somebody else. Call the, people call the I care hotline because I don't. You call the wrong number. <laughs> and then you ought to give sometime. Not always receive. People who have their hands out all the time bug me. Because at some point you ought to want to give. I mean every, every, every fifth time you ought to want to give. You know that is second Sunday and we what we do on second Sunday. Oh, I forgot my purse. You did you a story. Because if folk don't give you money on your birthday month, you're gonna act out. This Sunday school we're trying to learn. Let's talk about how to use these Christian qualities to measure our Christian walk. There has, there has to be a plumb line, right? Because uh, you can't watch me and know how to be a Christian. Can't watch Mother Grace and know how to be a Christian. Your, your pattern has to be Jesus. So Peter says, here's a way to, to, for you to measure your Christian walk. Verse 8. For if these things be in you, now notice Peter says they have to be in you, inculcated, have to be a part of your character. If these things, brotherly kindness, charity, temperance, patience, virtue, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said what the benefit you get from living like this is that you become more Christ-like and that Christ-like character exudes from you and people are going to say, I want to be around you all the time. I, I'm a, I, 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 I like hearing from you. What, you. what you don't want to be as a Christian is to have the kind of character that when, when you call people, they go, oh my God, Elder Webb. <laughs> Hello, because they don't want to hear from you. Y'all be self-critical sometimes. Think about how people respond to you. There's a reason that people take 30 minutes to respond to your text. If that's everybody, you might want to think about what you folk going, because you're going to beg, or you got a woe is me story, or you got something you want to, some gossip you want to take. Folk are like, oh my God, it's her again. It's him again. Peter says, you got to uh, let these things abound. He said, if you do that, you won't be barren and unfruitful. You will have a positive impact on the world around you because Peter says, here's what's going to happen if you're not. Peter said, but he that lacketh these things, if this is not you, Peter says, you are blind and you can't see afar off and have forgotten that you were purged from your old sin. Peter says, you are short-sighted. If you think that you can live any kind of way, then call on the name of Jesus and then think people aren't going to see through that because they see you when you don't see you. Right? Peter says, we got to work on this. He says, um, because if you don't do this, people think, seem to think you've forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins. Because some of us act like we have always been saved. Some of us act like we've never done anything wrong, thought anything wrong, said anything wrong, been anywhere wrong, did anywhere wrong. Oh, God, I've been perfect since birth. You are a lie. Stop acting like that. So when you try to win somebody, you don't win them with a condemnation spirit. You got to say, I understand. 
Because we've all been delivered from something. Amen. Or we've been delivered before we got into something. Because what stopped you was the Lord. It wasn't your, you, you thought it was you, but God is the one that held yourself, held you together. Because if you were just out here in the world, you might have done anything. That's why when we read about somebody who, people do these weird stuff, we go, why? I can't believe they did that. You can believe it. Because they're not on the influence of the Lord. Finally, and we're finishing up the last couple. Peter says, um, wherefore the rather, brother, give and I love this phrase. Make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Now, Peter is not saying if you have great character and you do what you're supposed to do, that you're never going to have a problem, you're never going to mess up, you're never going to sin. He's not saying that because Peter sinned in the Lord's presence. Think about that now. Jesus the Christ was within arm's length of Peter any time. He sinned in his presence. He said, I'm not saying you will never fall. I'm just saying you won't stay down. When you fall, if you make your election sure, Peter says, uh, you've got to live a life that you know God has called you from what you were to who you now are. And be sure of that. And Peter says, you can do that. You make your calling and election sure. You have confidence in your own ability to stay close to God, to be interconnected with the Holy Spirit so that every day of your life, you're drawing closer to Jesus. Didn't say you'd be perfect, but you're getting closer to him. Amen. Let's read 11 through 14 and we'll end. For an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and established in the present truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir up you by putting you in remembrance, knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. Peter says, I'm coming now to the end of my life, so this is urgent for me. He said, this is urgent. I want you, those who get this letter, I want you to understand this is urgent. Peter said, I'm not going to be around. Because he knew his life was about over because he was in jail when he wrote this and he'd been sentenced to death. He knew what was going to happen. And he said, I got to put off my tent. I got to move out of this building, this temporary dwelling. I'm going to a home that's better. And Peter's not saying that he's sad about it. I know that because the Lord told me that this was going to happen. He said, I'm not sad about it. It's just that I want you to be saved so badly that with my last time on earth, I'm not writing my last will and testament. I'm not saying what I want to happen to my clothes and my hats and my shoes. I'm saying, people of God, if there's anything you can do, live a life pleasing to God. So that at the end, even though you've messed up multiple times, you have an assurance yes, yes. that Jesus is my Savior. Amen. And he's forgiven me of all my sins. And all I can do is lift my hands and say, thank you. You've been so good to me. I cannot tell it all. Be blessed. Have a great Mother's Day. Don't forget to stop by the table and get your gift. And if you're not here and you come next week and you can quote at least three scriptures, we'll give you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we'll, they'll still be here next week if we don't give them. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day. Those of you who are moms, we love you. We thank you out for it.
wonderful, yes, wonderful. Yes, yes.